Chapter 12 Tired Looking Strip Mall The next morning at 8 a.m., Jack and Luke stumbled up the stairs to their jet, while Don, their pilot, looked at them like a parent who was slightly disappointed with his kids. Don't say anything, Luke said, cutting his eyes at Don flopping onto his seat. Don just raised his eyebrows the way he always did. He was ex-Navy and had flown stealth bombers in the first Gulf War. They had never seen him look remotely stressed or overly excited. He was a complete flatliner, never too high and never too low. After getting shot at going Mach 2 over the desert, they figured it would take a neutron bomb to freak him out or wipe away his subtle grin. Wouldn't think of it, sir, Don replied. I've activated our flight plan to Baltimore. Is that still our destination? He asked, knowing they were prone to changing plans at the last minute. Yeah, still Baltimore, Jack shot back. Co-pilot, Don asked Luke, who had been logging hours for his pilot's license. Nah, thanks. I didn't sleep that well last night, Luke said. Don nodded and began the pre-flight check while the brothers got Bosco situated and their gear stowed. Luke was twisted in knots. He didn't sleep for shit, and though he'd normally be euphoric about winning money from their gambling excursion, he was still conflicted about Jack's dream. He put it aside for the moment, knowing that trying to think his way through it would be pointless. Whatever was gnawing at the edges of his mind would eventually come out. He just hoped it would be sooner than later. He turned on his phone and called Quan. You on your way? Luke asked. What do you mean? Quan replied. To Baltimore, damn it, Luke shouted. Oh, yeah, that. We're at the airport now, just waiting for our flight, Quan said. Luke felt himself shake with annoyance as he bit his tongue, trying not to go ape shit on his employee. For the life of him, he could not figure out if Quan was selectively stupid or an idiot savant. Asperger's was a bitch. We're about to split too, Luke said. Why don't you and Eamon grab a room somewhere, preferably close to the airport? Get a suite for all of us, Luke said. He heard Eamon say something and grabbed the phone from Quan. Where are you supposed to meet Rhodes, Eamon asked. No clue. He's been all cloak and dagger, Luke said. He's flying us into Frederick Airport. Are you going to tell him about Beth and Serena, Eamon asked? Well, probably, Luke replied. Why so far? Is that where you're meeting him? Eamon continued. Luke shook his head and breathed out theatrically. Don't keep asking me the same shit. I don't know. Just get a room near the airport and we'll call you when we know what gives. Luke hung up as Don started taxing the jet. Luke knew that Eamon of all people hated ambiguity, and he would probably end up beating Quan senseless just for the fuck of it. Luke smiled at that thought. It would take a little over two hours to get to Baltimore. He needed sleep, so he reclined in his chair, flipped out his footrest, and shut the window blinds. Jack had already done the same thing a few minutes earlier, and from the sound of his snoring was completely out of it. Luke was asleep within a few minutes. As soon as he nodded off, Luke was pulled into Jack's dream yet again. Whatever had been going on with Jack, whether it was depression over Beth or the trauma of the Greenleaf episode, 
Jack's dreams were so intense, Luke couldn't fight it or recognize what was happening while he was sleeping. It was almost as if his mind couldn't tell the difference between his dreams or Jack's. Though Jack had told him about the events at Greenleaf prior to the rescue, Luke was now getting a first-person reenactment thanks to Jack's dreams. He felt the odd comfort of the chair in Magnus Johnson's office and the throbbing pain in his temple where Jack had been hit by one of the guards. For the first time, he got a chance to listen to Magnus drone on about the biological plan he had developed for the weed farm and how Jack had fucked it up. Within minutes, Luke had developed the same loathing of Magnus's pompous ass that Jack had. When he saw Serena Green come into the room, a shiver crawled up his spine. He watched her as she sat on the edge of Magnus's desk, like a cat playing with a mouse. In the dream, Luke sensed Jack's confusion and anger, being taken in by a good-looking woman in a running suit, only to discover once again he'd picked the wrong girl to trust. He felt Jack being prodded with a gun in his back as he was ushered down a long corridor by Serena Green and Magnus, attached to his brother's thoughts so completely that he could scarcely differentiate his own interpretation of the dream from Jack's. He saw Serena Green move in close to Jack after Magnus had opened the massive vault door to his temporary prison and whispered to him, Whatever you do, don't go rummaging through the shelves. Then he felt the excruciating pain of Serena's knee to his groin. The dream quickly fast-forwarded to the catwalk that snaked its way above the Greenleaf Grow facility where they had stopped, quietly waiting for Serena to pass as she walked down the corridor with the two guards. Again, he heard her tell the guards that she'd meet them in front of the building in several minutes. Through Jack's eyes, Luke saw the episode unfold, himself ducking below the rail with Jack's eyes locked on hers. Serena held his stare for a moment, then continued walking with the others. The dream ended abruptly as Jack shifted positions in his seat, causing Luke to wake up. Luke rubbed his eyes and sat upright in his seat, replaying his brother's dream in his mind, trying to scratch the itch in his brain that just wouldn't go away. He still couldn't put his finger on it and quickly turned his thoughts to the odds of Eamon seeing Beth and Serena in Atlanta. He wasn't gifted in math as Jack was, but figured the odds were a one in a few billion or something like that. Beth and Serena? Goddamn, Jack sure could pick them, Luke thought. His mind drifted back to sitting on the hood of the SUV in the middle of the Canadian farmland staring at the darkness hopelessly waiting for something to happen, something that would lead them to Jack and Quan. They'd been lucky. Someone had opened the door to the Greenleaf vault just long enough for Jack's text message to leak out. God damn it, Luke screamed, startling the dog and waking up Jack. What the hell? Jack shot up in his seat. Don't you get it? Luke asked excitedly. Get what? What are you talking about? Your dream, dumbass. It's been right there the whole time, Luke said. Dude, I have no clue what you're even talking about, Jack yawned. Do you not remember the dream that you've been having the last couple of days, Luke asked. Jack shook his head. I don't remember any dream. Luke couldn't hide his annoyance. 
Damn it, man, you were just in it. Hell, you pulled me in it. The dream where you replay what happened at Greenleaf with Serena Green. He could tell Jack still wasn't following him. Okay, look, try to remember. What did Serena tell you when she put you into the Greenleaf weed vault, Luke asked. I don't know. I just remember being pissed off and then she put her knee in my nuts, Jack replied. I was there, in your dream, Luke said. She told you not to rummage around the shelves. Yeah, maybe, I, I guess. Shit, I don't know, Jack stammered. I know I heard her tell you. So what did you do when you got up or you woke up, Luke asked. I found my phone, I think, Jack said, confused. Do you really not get it? To be so fucking smart, you're not putting any of this together. She was basically telling you where your phone was, dumbass. You're also back on the catwalk in your dream. Serena all but told us where she was going when she was talking to the guards. She also looked up in our direction. I ducked, but you didn't. She totally fucking saw you. Why would she have said what she was doing next if she didn't know you were up there? She was totally feeding you information, Luke said excitedly. Jack was groggy and mildly annoyed, pushing back to give himself a moment to think. You call me dumbass one more time, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, Jack said, then sat back and pondered what Luke was saying. Within a few seconds, his face lit up when it finally dawned on him. Holy shit, he whispered, looking at his brother in disbelief. Holy shit is right. I'll bet you money she's with Rhodes, Luke blurted out. Damn, Jack paused and thought. The first time I met her, she told me she was with the Department of Agriculture. And that didn't strike you as odd, since Rhodes is with the Department of Agriculture? Fucking seriously? Luke asked. She was lying. I remember asking Rhodes about her after the debrief. He said she just made it up, that she was definitely playing on the other team. But maybe she was telling the truth, Luke cut in. Think about this. Why was Rhodes there in the first place? How did he just show up in the middle of nowhere at the right time, Luke asked. He said he had been tipped off, but I see your point. She may have been on the inside the whole time. Maybe that's why she's still with Beth. Wonder what's going on in New York, Jack asked. Luke looked at him more seriously. So, let's assume she is on the inside. Just who do you think the organization would assume was behind the Greenleaf fiasco, Luke asked. Damn, they probably think it's us. They already think I know something about their stock market manipulations. It's not a stretch. You think so? Jack asked. No clue, but I bet we're going to find out, Luke said. They disembarked their plane and were greeted by a small diminutive woman, coke bottle glasses and a beehive hairdo and a drab blue dress that looked like it was stolen from an Amish woman. She introduced herself as Alice, Rhodes's personal administrator. Jack and Luke shook her hand and followed her to a modest Japanese econobox car complete with air freshener in the shape of a pine tree and a stuffed animal on the rear window deck, obviously her own car. Damn, these guys really roll out the red carpet for guests, Jack shot Luke a thought. 
Is it just me, or is Alice the hottest pilgrim you've ever seen? Luke replied. They both stifled a laugh as they jumped in the car. Alice visibly disconcerted about having to take the dog in her personal car. Luke sensed it and offered a smart-ass remark. Oh, don't worry, Alice. He's already used the bathroom on the plane, Luke said. She nodded her head and said, okay, visibly at a loss for words. Alice drove about how you would expect someone named Alice to drive. Slow and methodical, focused on the road and offering nothing in terms of conversation. They could tell they were headed east toward Baltimore when they took the Ellicott City exit, pulling into a parking space on the very end of a tired-looking strip mall. Rhodes's office was at the very end where you'd normally find a tax return company. There were no obvious signs it was anything other than cheap digs for a company that wasn't there for foot traffic. There was a key card entry device on the door and the shades were drawn on the windows. Alice let them in and showed them to a small waiting room complete with chairs that looked like they had been purchased at a restaurant auction. Mr. Rhodes is on the phone and should be off shortly. Can I get you anything in the meantime? Alice asked. An egg sandwich would be awesome, Luke quickly responded. Really? Jack shot Luke a thought. I want her out of here, Luke thought back. Alice donned yet another confused expression. Okay, let me see what I can do, she replied. They could almost hear the gears in her head grinding as she grabbed her purse and walked down to the diner at the other end of the strip center. What's that all about, Jack asked. Alice may look like a frumpy old maid, but believe me, there's something more to her. I just wanted her out of my hair so I could think, Luke said. Think about what, Jack asked. I don't know, just think. You friggin' mind? Plus, I didn't eat. I'm hungry, Luke shot back. Jack watched in amusement as Luke began to mentally survey the room. He was good at reading people, however, he didn't have the same eye for detail as Jack did. In all likelihood, he'd forget what he saw in 30 minutes. From their cheap seats in the waiting room, they could hear Rhodes mumbling on the phone in the background, suddenly giving Jack an idea. Hey, want to tap his phone? Jack asked. Luke gave him a blank, questioning look. You can hear him, right? Listen in through Bosco and let's find out what he's talking about, Jack continued. Luke's expression changed, surprised he hadn't thought about it himself. He nodded to his brother. As soon as he connected with Bosco, the dog began to wag his tail and became more animated. Luke shot the dog a thought, letting him know that he wanted to focus on the words behind the door. He could hear Bosco selectively filtering and accentuating the sounds all around him, finally locking in on Rhodes. Patch me in, Jack said. Luke quickly did what his brother asked, becoming the link between Bosco and Jack. He heard Jack mutter something in response, something like, Holy shit! He was still amazed at what his brother can do and what Bosco could actually hear. So he's dead? You're sure? They heard a voice on the other end of the phone ask Rhodes. Yes, sir. Dead as print journalism. He wasn't the only one. Our subject took out two of our own as well as two contractors, Rhodes replied. God damn it. Did your girl have a hand in it? The man asked. No, not in that. However, she may be required to show loyalty sooner than later, Rhodes said. Nathan, 
Can you be a little more specific? I don't have time to parse words, the man said. She's in New York as we speak, supposedly to kill Glenn Halvers, the CEO of Agrifuse, Rhodes said calmly. Holy shit, Nathan. What the hell? There was a long pause while the person on the other end of the line collected himself. That sounds a little extreme. I told you, sir, some of this shit you really do not want to hear, Rhodes said. The other man cut him off. Don't give me that plausible deniability bullshit. I was there, remember? Yes, sir, I do, Rhodes replied. So, are you going to let her go through with it? Who the fuck is he anyway? Collateral damage, the man asked. No, sir, he's a primary player. I'm not one to pass judgment, but if he was to cease to exist, I don't think good society would miss him. Good God, can't believe I'm having this conversation, the man said. Again, a long pause and the man resumed. A primary player, huh? If that's the case, then he's the first solid lead that surfaced since a Canadian weed uprising, the man said, referring to the Greenleaf operation in Canada a few months prior. Correct, sir. That's why I've dispatched a team to New York. I'm leaving to meet them after I talk to the Glasser brothers. I believe we can come up with a suitable alternative, one that won't expose our agent and won't require us to compromise our principles, Rhodes said. The man on the other end sighed and changed the subject. Shit, I think we sodomized our principles a long time ago. What about those other two knuckleheads? Which ones, Rhodes asked. Those two brothers, the ones you had to export from Canada. I thought you'd said they'd be the likely targets instead of the scientists. Well, it was a 50-50 shot initially, but after Beth Colby showed up in Atlanta... We pulled the other detail. The scientists must have been a little more important to them, Rhodes said. Stellar. Now what? the man asked. Well, the brothers are here now. With Gomes dead, they're probably next, and I can't say with any confidence that using them as bait will accomplish anything at this point. So what then? the man asked. That's what I intend to figure out, Rhodes said. Jack and Luke sat dumbfounded by what they had heard. The door to Rhodes' office opened and he waved them in. They walked in, Bosco in tow, wagging his tail and rubbing up against Rhodes, who, they could tell by his expression, wasn't a dog person. They each took a seat in the chair situated in front of Rhodes' desk. Bosco laid down on the threadbare carpet between them. Sorry to keep you waiting, Rhodes began interrupted by a knock on the door. Alice popped in quickly, apologized for the interruption, and offered Luke a greasy paper bag that contained an egg sandwich. Rhodes shot them an inquisitive look. I was hungry, Luke said curtly. Rhodes shrugged it off. As I was saying, sorry to keep you waiting and sorry to make you curtail your plans. I'm sure you boys were having fun. They both gave him nothing but blank stares. Luke took a bite of his sandwich. There's been some news. Gene Gomes, who I'm sure you'll remember, was found dead in Atlanta yesterday. We believe your ex-girlfriend did it, Rhodes said, looking at Jack. 
Jack and Luke didn't need to read each other's minds to know what the other was thinking. The roads continued. We also have reason to believe that the toxin, or rather the virus he was working on at Greenleaf, may have survived. Survived a fire and an explosion? Luke asked skeptically. No, the material at Greenleaf and what was on the trucks was destroyed. But, Rhodes paused, we believe Gomes may have delivered some of it already. How do you know that? Jack blurted. Rhodes sat back in his chair. We do have some intelligence gathering capability, not offering anything else. I'm a bit concerned about your safety, though. It's recently come to our attention with all that's gone on. The organization may come after you next. I'm thinking that you may be a threat worth dealing with. Jack and Luke were screaming in each other's heads incoherently, both pissed that Rhodes was keeping them in the dark, feeding them half-truths. It was Luke who finally broke the silence, spitting out bits of egg sandwiches he yelled at Rhodes. You're fucking full of shit, Luke shouted. Rhodes leaned forward, obviously not used to having anyone speak to him like that. They saw the vein in his forehead begin to throb as his face turned red. Jack picked up where Luke had started. You're half-truthing us to death. You used us as goddamn bait. Then you fucked up and let Beth get away, and now you're pretending to give a shit about us? What the fuck are you playing at, Rhodes? Jack said. It was Colonel Rhodes' turn to be at a loss for words this time. We, uh, Luke cut him off. You what? You knew they'd come after Gomes or us. You've known where Beth is all along? What is it that you know exactly? Luke taunted. Let me tell you what we know, Colonel. We know Miss Green works for you, and she's probably in New York with Beth as you sit here bullshitting us, probably planning to kill the CEO of a major chemical company. Jack shot Luke a quick look. Both of them knew that Luke had gone just a little too far and overplayed their hand. Rhodes snapped his finger, and within seconds the door flew open, Alice moving in quickly with her pistol at the ready. Bosco shot up immediately, two feet away from Alice, baring his teeth. They looked at Rhodes, who was flicking the safety of the gun he now held in his hand. Boys, I need you to call off your dog, he said calmly. They looked at Alice, who was now pointing her weapon at Bosco. What the hell are you doing? Jack asked Rhodes. You're the one that brought us here. Now you're going to shoot us? What the fuck? Son... What you just said, only three people in the world know, and I know for a fact they haven't said shit. I'd advise you to start talking, Rhodes said. Luke sat blankly, non-reactive for once as the tense words and threats swirled about him. A realization had popped into his mind in the middle of the drama unfolding all around him. He'd heard the voice on the other end before. He knew Rhodes was talking to a light bulb went off as he interrupted the yelling and the growling. The third person that knows is the president, Luke said, thinking out loud. He looked at Rhodes in the eye. That's who you were on the phone with.